Welcome to Learning Through Math, the podcast. I'm Laura at I Teach the Why. I'm Karina at Mrs. Cousins 5. Our mission is to inspire ourselves and others to keep learning and improving with passion. And hugs. You can find us at learningthroughmath.com and on Twitter at Laura and Karina. Come and join us on this journey of learning. Thanks for joining us. We are recording this in February of 2024. And welcome to episode 130, a conversation with Monique Zhao. It's another good one, everybody. It is. Fascinating. All All about GeoGebra. So if you don't know anything about it, you're going to learn so much. Even if you do know a lot about it, because I felt like I knew like a good amount about it. And then when she started talking and explaining things, I was like, I didn't know you could do that with it. So yeah. I feel like I need a whole day of PD. On right. It because I agree. I, I know a fraction of what you know. And if you only know a little bit, I know a drop. Like, yeah, tip of the iceberg. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But exciting, right? Totally. Yeah. So first we want to give a shout out to two of our friends. Tony and Sasha, they both tweeted something about our episode with Kristen Acosta with the clothesline math. Yes. And Tony wrote, quote, number line potential. And she gave Kristen credit. And she said, love this. On the subject of number talks, lately I've been sharing with teachers that I would use any and all opportunities to display student thinking using a number line. Let's look for number line potential. Isn't that awesome? Yes. I do. Then, I love that. And then Sasha. <laughs> oh, yes. You know how we were talking to Kristen about you asked her if, if she's ever made it vertical? Yes. Yes. So Sasha said, okay, thinking of a pulley system for the vertical number line or use a chain that is anchored at the center, then hung on a hook with a long arm device. Now I need lots of tasks to make the effort going from a horizontal to vertical worth the time. I need the book. Great podcast. Oh my gosh. Uh, Sasha, no workman's comp. Okay. That's not what we're going for. Yep. (laughs) All right, Karina, tell us your reflection that you have for this week. Yeah. So I have been noticing something very interesting about Uh, my students this year more than others. And I think it's because I've done a lot more BTC in the class. And what I've noticed is that once kids are engaged in thinking in a building thinking classroom, they are more engaged in other activities as well. So what I mean by that is that when I do, when on the days that I don't do BTC and I'm doing, say, a three-act task or I'm doing a, a slow reveal problem or a graph or a chart or something like that, or I'm doing a, you know, there's questions around the room, go ahead and review them and answer them together, you know, something something different because you don't want all days to be the same. That's right. boring. That's stagnant. That's no good. But when they're doing those other things, even when they're sitting at their desks and they they just have their own personal whiteboards and they're writing things down, they are so much more engaged, I think, because of the work that we've done in building things in classroom. 
And yes, we're still working on listening to each other, you know, mm-hmm. like that whole thing that that's a big, they just don't listen to each other. And I, I, I don't, uh, but anyway, <laughs> that's, that's another day, but I, I just, I've really noticed how engagement has just risen because of this. So I guess I'm, I'm curious if others have seen the same thing, but it's just, it's wonderful to see, of course, right? Because you want kids if you've got them and they're interested, that's half the battle. Exactly. That's more than half the battle. That's like, yeah. that's like, that's like 99. <laughs> I'd even go 99. Right? Even 90. higher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, just some food for thought and uh, some noticings that I've, that I've had. I, I do like though, to have a familiar structure though in the room. So even right. though I don't want things to get stagnant, I still want them to know what's coming. Yeah. So on my slide deck that I've been writing, and thank you for the pretty ones for February, because You're even welcome. my students said, oh my gosh, there's hearts on there. And I said, yes, my friend gave that to <laughs> me. So you can thank her. <laughs> And I change them every month, Laura. It's my overachiever. Yeah, I change the slides every month. Okay, thank you, because I'm totally stealing them from you, because (laughs) you should see in January and through the beginning of February, do you know what my background was? White. White? Oh, no. No. Just white. Oh, no. 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 They got so excited when they saw the Oh, Yeah, so thank you for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay. Tell the listeners your good news because this is great news. Yes. So, I mean, you know, it's hard. This job is hard. Yeah, And and sometimes you start questioning, what are you doing? And should you, should you change something? And should you- you're just now starting to question. Oh, no, like, come on. This has been like years, right? <laughs> yes. But I, today I just felt like I had had a little bit of validation. And I don't, I don't like saying that scores on assessments, I mean, they don't mean very much to me. Right. They're but, just a, 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 you know, snapshot, right? Right. Right. Um, however, <laughs> After our unit on division of fractions and not teaching keep change flip for the eighth consecutive year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but like the results of their assessment this year was phenomenal. They, I had so many kids that were, that got like us, if you're looking at scores, right? 80% and above. I mean, it was so beautiful when I pulled up that the average of the test was like a 79. Like that's high, one of the highest ones I've, I've had, I think all year. Like it just, it was so good. And I, I, I was just so happy, right? Like, you know, you sit there and you think, oh, should I just teach them keep change flip just so that they know it, they have it, they're going to see it next year anyway. Like, do I just bite the bullet? Do I just do it? And no, no, don't just do it. Keep stick stick to your guns. Stick to the like the what is good. Let them discover it. Listen, they got there. They figured out the relationship between multiplication and division. I did not have to tell them, mm-hmm. but it was just what was it? Exposure 
pictures, models, experiences, like all of those things that we talk about, the more they see it, the more they get to talk about it, the more they get to really understand it, the, they are going to make those connections. They are going to be the ones to tell you. Um, and then it internalizes it. Right. You know, they'll, they'll keep it. So my hope is I don't care about the tests now. I care more for the end of the year and then even like for next year, right? Like I hope that they they know it now. It becomes a part of them, you know? Yes. Now, does that mean that every kid in that room knows how to do it? No, I of course I have I have right. students who are still learning it and, yes. and are still not not there yet, but for the majority, like the majority have such a deep understanding of it. And yeah, it made, it made me very happy. Made me I very, am very so happy. happy for you. Like yeah. for real, because we both know how difficult those assessments can be. Oh, like, they're for so sure. hard. And, and so wordy, you know, so wordy. So I'm, I'm proud of not just your kids, but I'm proud of you for sticking to Thank your you. guns and, yeah. And I'm just going to share, I'm not done with that unit yet. By the yeah. time we go to our next episode, my kids will have taken the test and I'll be able to let you know how they did. But every day now I have said, when you go to, and I put it up on the cute little thinking task page that the black right. and white one that you sent me, thank you. Yeah. I redid that. And it says it's cutesy black and white. Just saying it's got like cute, <laughs> cute little borders. Borders. It's, mm-hmm. it's not white like mine was. Um, <laughs> and it's the thinking task. The words that Karina wrote were like bubbly letters. So it wasn't just Arial font like I use. Oh um, God. <laughs> no, for real, for real. Um, anyway, <laughs> I put on there. When you go to the boards today, you will draw a model, mm-hmm. write an equation, and the unit. So guess, right. guess what they did two days ago? What problem they did, Karina? The lasagna problem? Yes, they did. And I said, this is my friend's favorite problem of the entire school year. I do. I love the and lasagna problem. And of course, problem. what did so many of them do? Just number plucked. And I was like, yes. stop being number pluckers. I was like, draw this out. And do you know how many kids actually drew a whole pan, drew a line in the middle, and then just put an X over the half? Oh, nice. The cooking club ate. I was like, oh my God, yay. Like I wanted to, you know, just jump up and down for joy. I didn't, but in my head, I was like, oh my. And not every kid did, you know, not every group did that and everything, but yeah. And so today, they started like yesterday they did tasks a b and c today they did they started with task d and some of them only got on task d and it was what was the one it was about uh the sugar one and i think i'm pretty sure even one of my kids said oh i already know this because we already did this problem yeah but you didn't do it right yeah the second time that you did it it was right you got four cups of sugar eight cookie sheets are being used. Yes. Like how much sugar is used for each cookie sheet basically. And that's kind of hard because it's not like per cookie or per. Right. So so the context was hard, but like, guys, what are you starting with? Eight. No, 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 no. What are you starting with? Cookie sheets. No, 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 no. That's not what we were starting with. 
yeah. uh, cups, like, and for them to get through that. And then the next problem that I gave them was the candy bar problem. Did you do the candy bar problem? I think so. There's, so this girl has 10 candy bars and she wants to give them to her classmates. Mm-hmm. So she cuts the candy bars into, did it say four four pieces or one fourth size pieces? I think it said one fourth size pieces. So the question is how many classmates yes. get a piece of candy kind of thing or whatever. Yes. Okay. I'm getting things like 10 fortieths. I'm like, what? I'm getting things like one fourth. I'm like, what are you looking for? What What's yeah. actually happening? And they're like, they're trying to find out candy bars. I said, no, 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 no. Read the question. It says how many classmates yeah. you can't have a fourth of a classmate. What are you going to do? Just chop off their head. That's what I said to one of my girls today. <laughs> she started yeah. laughing like, no, you can't do that. And then the, the third problem that some of them started to get to was the ice cream problem. Did you do the ice cream problem? Yeah. I think all of these were ones that I posted. I think that's what I was yeah. talking about. The ones yeah. that I posted around the room and they just, they circulated and answered questions yeah. and together. Mm-hmm. So the, the ice cream one was a little more challenging because mm-hmm. it said it started with a half gallon, which I was like, mm-hmm. guys, you go to the store and well, not anymore because, you know, they've shrunk everything. But, you know, you buy a half gallon size container mm-hmm. and what's happening here? They want to share the half gallon with six kids. Right. How much of a gallon, how much yes. of a gallon did each kid get? And it was a twelfth of a gallon. Right. Yeah. And so it was they were like a twelfth ice cream. I'm like. That's not a unit. Um, a 12 friends. No, that, that you, what you, yeah. So we're, we're still working through it. Right. And you know, you, you know, I was a little bit behind you. We're we're slowly catching up, but I'm trying to get them to understand what's happening in the problem and not just quote, do the math. Have I talked about, Oh, what relationship? So if it was like a half divided by four, oh, what relationship do you notice here? You know, because the answer was one eighth and I'm, I'm waiting and I hear kids like say like random things. I'm like, God, I know for, for the love of God in my head. I'm like, can you please just notice some relationship on this side of the equal sign to right. that side of the equal sign? Right, right. So I'm not well, saying keep change flip. I am right. digging my heels into. Good. Um, yeah. And it, and I think one thing that's been really helpful this year, you know, to do this is, is I have been doing a lot more mild, medium, spicy questions, um, on my slides. And I think, (laughs) yeah. And I think, um, when those answers go up, I mean, the conversation that I like to have afterwards, you know, after they've checked their own understanding and talking about patterns, I mean, let me tell you. There, you could spend a whole class period just looking at the answers of a mild, medium, and spicy chart because, you know, like I'll say something like, well, what do you notice about what I chose as mild, right? And in this unit, because fifth grade only does unit fractions, I yes. kept it to like one divided by a unit fraction. Yeah. Did you notice that? <laughs> so I that sure they did. Could- and the opposite, right? The unit fraction divided by one. Because yeah, but I was on that slide today, and yeah, one of the yes. kids was like, you know, I can do the problems that you have up around the board. I can't do the mild ones. 
And it was like one divided by a half. I think that was the first one you had up for mild. Mm-hmm. I'm like, go, go get the, go, go get the fraction bars and right. go look at the two anchor charts that I have up. What, right. what do you notice? Right. Because right. on one of the anchor charts, I literally have one divided by one fifth equals yeah. five. Like, right. Like as a naked number problem where right. I have right. two, right. two other, uh, context, you know, story problems. And I have the fraction bars. I'll take a picture of them and post it in this episode. But like, I actually have the pieces taped up on the anchor charts that I made seven years ago. Oh, wow. I still have them because I was like, this is gold. I knew I had gold when I made those anchor charts. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I love the mild, medium, spicy for that, for looking at patterns, for kids identifying them. They're still ha- they're still not like where I want them to be because it is, it is like pulling teeth because they've never been asked this question, right? Like, like they've never been asked, what do you notice about answers? Yes. So, but it, it got us to finally somebody saying, oh, well, when the dividend is a fraction, the I mean, they didn't use that language, but I did, right? right? When I repeated right. it. I, of course. Uh, the quotient is also a unit fraction, right? And then and then that conversation of look, they're all unit fractions. Huh, is that that interesting? Right? Like <laughs> all wow. <laughs> you know. Um, but one thing that I did accidentally and now I kind of love, and this is where, you know, I don't know if if this wasn't Peter's intent, I don't think, but um, it's working really well and I'm, I'm kind of loving it. Tell me, tell me, it, tell me, tell me, tell yeah, me. Yeah, I'm making you. I, is making mistakes on the mild, medium, spicy answers purposeful mistakes. So I did it by accident on some, and and I did it two days in a row. Oops. (laughs) Uh, I had, I had two mistakes in a row and then I'm like, Oh wait, this might be good, you know, because then it's going to make them think, wait a minute, why? And I'm not going to do it every day and I'm not doing, you know, all the time, but I think, I think it might be something, you know, like, because making mistakes on purpose is good. And yes. we want to we want to do that. Let me know if anyone tries that on purpose. Make a mistake on purpose on those answer keys. And I know that that's not the intent of them, right. but 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 <laughs> it's it makes huh. for very interesting conversations. It does. Mm-hmm. Well, well. Speaking of conversations, we are now going to have you all join us in a conversation with Monique Zhao. Listeners, we have a fantastic guest with us today. This is Monique Zhao, and she works with GeoGebra. And um, Karina, you and I have used GeoGebra just a little bit, right? Yes, I, I yes, I've, I've used it. Um, you probably used but, it more than me. Probably. Yeah, <laughs> but that's okay. okay. But we're going to learn more about it today. So totally. And I, I'm so glad we have this opportunity to speak with Monique because you know me, I'm curious about everything and I want to know like all the ins and outs of things. So Monique, could you tell our listeners all about you? Um, Hi, yes. My name is Monique Zhao. Um, I'm so glad to be here and thank you for having me. Um, I am the lead curriculum and instructional designer at GeoGebra. 
Um, I know that that is just a job title sometimes, um, and it doesn't exactly give you an idea of what I do. Um, but how I describe my role at GeoGebra is I work on content mainly. Um, and I work on designing, managing the content, reviewing content, connecting people to content that they would like to access and use. Um, but at a smaller organization, um, I also wear many other hats. So uh, I also work a little bit on professional development, um, speaking at conferences, um, training teachers, um, helping out with webinars, um, those types of engagements. And I also started off as a power user of GeoGebra myself, authoring and creating, using the software and the calculators. Um, yeah, so I've been really happy to actually be working for the company that makes pretty much my favorite product. It's literally a dream job. Um, yeah, that's pretty much what I do currently. So were you a teacher before or? I actually came from a computer science background. So um, my background was in studying computer science and I learned very quickly that I think the, the connection between math and computer science is great. Um, and I didn't want to leave that behind. And I didn't want to go directly into software development, but then I started um, interning when I was in doing my undergraduate studies, I started interning for a uh, basically a free online uh, resource nonprofit. Um, and through that, I learned that working in education did not just have to be working in a classroom. And I learned that I could be involved in education in other ways. And that was great because then I could apply um, math skills, computer science skills, and the technology skills that I uh, had developed and loved, and also education and having like a real big impact um, on future generations in this role. And I fell in love with instructional design. So I would love to make materials, but then actually thinking creatively about, oh, how do I have students learn in a particular way or forming things like learning objectives and writing out something that is actually very specific and very impactful and not just, oh, this is creating something that looks nice or just engages students really quickly and keeps them glued to the screen for a long time. Um, but instead, oh, how do I actually connect them with the math content? Um, and so one of my specialties is in interactive OER, Open Educational Resources. Um, and I love working in this space because it's making, um, making real, how do I describe it? Uh, it's taking existing technology that is already available and it's great, but really removing that paywall and allowing students and teachers direct access to this type of technology and activity, um, and in a very educational way. I love that. Wow. So yeah. how low of a grade level do you think? kids can use the GeoGebra? I would say GeoGebra, uh, it appeals to higher level math um, right. and math teaching. So I know a lot of high school teachers or even university level um, educators, they gravitate towards it very quickly. But um, I've seen a lot of 
teachers in the math community just create and make materials that pretty much can engage students at almost any level. Um, GeoGebra is device agnostic. So, you know, I have heard of many of my colleagues and many teachers who they're like, uh, I, I teach say middle school or high school, but my kids who are elementary school students, I, I bring up GeoGebra on the iPad and they can directly interact with the points and the sliders. And uh, it, this is, these concepts are not anything that they might be taught directly in school, but all, they're already engaging in math or graphing or uh, skip counting or uh, addition and subtraction just uh, from being able to engage in something that's in front of them. So how do, how does one, a teacher or whoever creates the, the mini, I don't know if you, you call them like programs or activities or uh, apps or whatever, whatever it is, how do you, how do you create that? Because if I wanted to, I mean, you said you have workshops and stuff, would I be able to sign up for a workshop, get trained on how to make one? And then I could, the sky's the limit. <laughs> uh, pretty much what I recommend is usually just tapping into already existing resources that others have made. Mm -hmm. um, GeoGebra has been around since the early 2000s. So over time, there have been over a million resources that are free and available to use on the website. And you can just very quickly in the search bar, type in some sort of subject, see what pops up and see what someone else has made. If you really wanted to get into the weeds and really try making something yourself, um, what's great about the fact that it's OER is you can actually open up what we call the applets um, and you can actually open them up in the online graphing calculator and you can actually see how someone has built it. Um, and so if you're familiar with online graphing calculator tools, there's usually commands and tools that you can use to create different like points, objects and sliders. But I usually recommend not starting from scratch, actually. Like if you, right. um, like I said, I come from a computer science background. Um, a lot of the times you learn a lot about coding from looking at what other people work on and you just Google um, other people's code um, and you see how, oh, how can I take uh, what someone else wrote and how do I understand it better by making small tweaks and small adjustments. And then you end up learning a little bit more and more and more. And I think that even leads into the basis of project-based learning where you just jump into someone else's project um, and you figure out slowly um, how to make your own project. I love what you that, just said. That is said. so Karina. That's so that much. So Karina. Like, but, uh, but everything that you just said about, about learning from others. I mean, I think Laura and I, this is how we teach. We, we share ideas and how did you solve it? And how did you think of it? And, and just grow from there. And I think that that's, mm -hmm. oh, Love it. I love that you are using it in the professional world. Um, and I'm definitely going to be telling my my students about this because it's a real world connection, right? I, I just love that. So thank you for saying that. Okay. I don't know who is in charge of your social media, but I love them. I just want to say that one of the people in our district put out a GeoGebra slider thing for when we were doing multiplying fraction by fraction or fraction by whole number. And I put it in my Google classroom and the kids got to quote play, right. Or use it to actually solve their problems. And then I was like, I, I put on Twitter and I tagged you all. And I was like, well, what about 
And I, I forgot what I even asked about. It was maybe it was fraction by a fraction. I don't remember, but it was like another step in that direction. And then whoever, I don't know, maybe it was you or somebody put right on. Oh, here it is. Here you go. And it was fantastic because it wasn't a predetermined lesson, right? It was just completely open for the kids to play with it. I absolutely yeah. loved that. So I'm guessing you're not the social media person. Otherwise you would have said, that's me. That's me. <laughs> no, no, no. But uh, Katie, the person who's been managing our social media has been doing a fantastic job. And uh, she, I mean, she doesn't make a lot of the, she knows how to, but she doesn't make a lot of the materials herself. But as you can see, she just searched something up and was able to say, Hey, like, this is something that you were looking for. It exists. Um, and it's it's great and so one one thing like a, a challenge that i had was i tried the search and then whatever i searched it came up with like a predetermined one that's why i reached out i was like hey do you have one of these other open-ended ones so how can one easily search for something that they really really want and if it's not if it doesn't come up how can they get a hold of someone i mean is it through twitter is it like to say hey do you have this or something like that yeah i would say um social media would be one of the ways that to just be in touch with the geogebra community at large um or even uh some of our forums and our help centers um basically it's uh i think though using something like twitter where we have a more interconnected geogebra community um, there are people from all over the world um, in our international community who would love to just share some of the work that they've done or connect you to resources and other people who have made materials that probably suit what you're thinking of. And I think that's just a great way even to have the community participate in just creating and building things. Like even if it doesn't exist yet, someone might want to make it themselves. They just need the ideas. And I don't know. I just love the idea of collaboration um, mm -hmm. because even the recent math resources that my team released in the last year, um, when you go to the uh, GeoGebra homepage and you click on the math resources button, that's right at the front, um, it's that all of those hundreds of resources were really collaborative and working together with uh, teams of people at uh, GeoGebra, um, instructional designers and teachers um, and authors who they all have math teaching experience. Um, and so they know what it's like to use technology in a classroom setting. Um, and they think very deeply about what the students are learning um, and supposed to learn and all of the skills that are involved that um, really interconnect all of the, the resources and applets together. Um, and so, I don't know, just going back to Karina, what you said about just collaboration and learning from one another, that's one of the ways that I feel like I've learned from all of my colleagues on the yes. job. Um, and it's, if, if anyone asks like, oh, why do we, uh, what, why do we, you know, have to talk about this in class or have a discussion? It's like, this is why, like, this is in, in real life, you do talk and collaborate with people. And I ask my colleagues all the time, Hey, did I do these calculations? Right. Am I looking at this? Right. Does that equation in this format make any sense at all? Am I interpreting the solutions correctly? If those, if I use those numbers, do they make sense when I'm calculating 
how much rain falls in Africa. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, this is it. I hope it shows in our resources as well that we do work together to even yeah. put these materials together. Um, Would you say that a lot of those applets are made teacher created or they're more like your team that has created them? So largely these uh, resources are teacher created. They're created mm -hmm. by our community. So the over 1 million resources that have been developed over the last, oh, I don't know how many, you know, over a decade, um, wow. maybe even two decades at this point. Um, but within the last year, my team has released over 400 applets now um, that are created internally. Um, so the newer math resources that, that you see that are developed by, um, if you look at the resource under author, um, it says GeoGebra content team. Those oh, okay. applets are all created um, with the same style guides. So they all have the same high quality look. They have the same high quality feel. They have the same type of style and um, instructional design thinking that goes behind it like how we um, give feedback, um, the hinge structures that we give, the way that we decide which UX element to use um, to engage students. Um, yeah, all of that is planned out um, if it's developed by the GeoGebra content team. Nice. If we have a listener that has never explored GeoGebra from kindergarten through university teachers, what should they do? Should they just go in and play or should they look for something in particular? Like what's your recommendation? What I recommend is you go to the homepage um, and the first thing that you do is you click on the math resources button. You look at some of those, um, the ones that you will see on the page currently, they are marketed as grades four through eight, but because they're standalone activities, they are flexible to be used. I have um, heard of lower elementary, teachers talking about using them. I have heard uh, high school um, and adult learners even talk about using those resources. Um, but after looking at those, if there is a particular topic or concept um, that you can find right away, or maybe it's just not offered, um, then I would say uh, if you scroll all the way down to the bottom of that, uh, that math landing page, there's a button where you'll see community resources and you can click on that and explore community resources. Um, and as you explore the community resources, you'll get a sense of, oh, this is the software that's being used to develop these applets. They're actual, that software and those graphing calculators are actually available to me. This is, some of these are actually very simple and I think they might be accessible for me to try and make something. Um, and so from there, then I would recommend you can go back to the homepage of GeoGebra and there's a big button that says start calculator. And you can actually open up just a blank canvas of a graphing calculator. Um, and on the side, uh, you can either type in commands, like type in graphs if you are um, at that level and type in equations or type in coordinates of points and see what appears. Or on the side, you can actually click on tools view and there's a tools view button. And you can even use some of the uh, tools to create your own objects without having to know any commands or typing anything in. So you can just learn how to plot points and lines and circles. Um, and from there, um, you can even start to see how objects can interact with one another. So uh, I can learn that a circle could be defined by two points because in order to use the circle tool, 
I need to click on two points. Or when I try and create a circle, it automatically generates those two points if they didn't exist already. And so then I understand, oh, this is how a circle is defined. Um, or maybe mm -hmm. I learned how something, uh, how a perpendicular bisector is defined, because in order to use that tool, there are certain objects that I need to select, whether it's, um, it's lines or segments or points. Um, and that's, that's just my recommendation as someone who, you know, I'm, I'm always on both sides as a student, as a learner, and as an educator. Um, and you can, uh, the more that you even as a, as an educator learn about this math in this different way, this, then teaching is really just sharing what you've learned. Um, and so that's kind of how I would recommend step-by-step step, just trying out the website. I love that. Um, Moni, can you share with us some of the workshops? Like you, you had mentioned that there are workshops available. Where can we find those? Are they available online? Are they free? Are they, when do you, when are they happening? Just more information on those. Yeah. So um, basically we have some videos on our YouTube channel. We've been running a monthly webinar um, to show some of the uh, resources that we have produced. Um, the last one in this series is actually happening March 13th. Um, that is the second Wednesday of March. Um, so there is a way to uh, register for that webinar. Um, but we also upload all of the recordings um, because we know we have an international audience who would love to just learn from um, any and all of those sessions. If anyone has a group of teachers um, who all want to learn how to use GeoGebra, um, then you can contact our office um, and they will figure out how to get um, you set up um, so that we can do just a personalized training session for, say, an hour um, where it's interactive and I can actually, me or someone else, pro uh, you can request me, <laughs> will actually be able to walk through some important components depending on what grade bands um, those teachers might be targeting or maybe even specific concept areas I can show which particular calculators might be um, useful in their classroom setting and some example activities of how you can use the calculators to help the students in discovery learning. Um, so there's a few different options. Nice. How did this all start? Do you know? I don't know. I don't even know how long you've been with the company, but um, in the early 2000s, our CEO, Marcus Honwer, he uh, was studying um, in Florida. He's actually from Austria. So GeoGebra is funny enough, just an Austria based company. Um, but he did his uh, doctorate in the States um, and his doctorate was on basically a dynamic uh, math software combining geometry and algebra, hence the name GeoGebra. Right. Um, and that's reflected in the graphing calculators as well. That's why you'll be able to see um, a geometry kind of graphics view, and you'll also see an algebra view. Um, and so even when you're working in uh, a geometry calculator view, and you're working with geometric figures, you'll actually be able to access the definitions of those objects in the algebra view, and you'll be able to see, oh, this circle, um, even though I don't necessarily see a coordinate grid, it could be defined um, with coordinates that are on um, a coordinate plane. 
Um, we just don't see the, the grid lines right now, but then you can also show the grid lines and show and see, oh yes, this circle has an equation and it has a center about two comma three. Um, so that's, that's uh, one, I don't know, I guess a fun little note about just the combination of geom geometry and algebra in GeoGebra. That's so awesome because I always say geometry is not math. Like, give me algebra all day long. <laughs> <laughs> so this is actually good to help me, you know, rectify and reassign my brain, like say, okay, no, it's, you can do both. It's okay. <laughs> so I appreciate that. <laughs> yes. Is there anything else about GeoGebra that you want our listeners to know that you haven't said yet? That's a really good question. Um, I think the way that I would describe GeoGebra is GeoGebra is really great for formative assessment um, and hmm. understanding, monitoring students and their pro progress. Um, if you go look at one of our resources and or even if you use the graphing calculator, um, there is an assign button in the top right corner. Um, and you, you can use that to assign um, that resource through Google Classroom or through uh, GeoGebra directly. I think, Laura, you had the chance to uh, try that out and you've seen that in action. But what that assign button does is it creates basically a live classroom or a live lesson um, that students can access either just directly through the link or they can type in a code into their into their devices. Um, but you can see thumbnails and, and uh, snapshots of their work in changing in real time. And I think that's very valuable because you can see the students uh, where they are in their interactions and how they, um, uh, what the, what steps and what they're thinking is along the way. Um, and so I think that that's uh, one of the, I guess the prongs of what GeoGebra can do as like a, as a product offering. Um, but I say that GeoGebra is really good as a formative assessment tool because it does allow uh, you more insight um, into what they're what they're thinking. Um, because this, a student doesn't write down every single one of their thoughts, but their thoughts do get communicated or translated somehow in some way. Um, and being able to use an interactive technology does allow them to communicate that in that way. Um, and so I, uh, at least in the design of some of the resources that I work on with my team, one of our core principles that we think about is how does technology benefit the instruction here? Like, is this something that can be done on pen and paper? Um, can it be done on pen and paper even better? Like, if, if that's the case, then, you know, we can leave it there. Like, mm -hmm. technology always moves and technology always changes. Um, we just need to, it, the question isn't, oh, is this, uh, is this technology good or bad? The question is, how do we use it? And so there is definitely a way to use GeoGebra um, for, for benefit. And I think everyone can see that there's a benefit, but learning how to use it well, I think that takes a little bit of time and a little bit of exploration. And I think the benefits you have to see for yourself. So I, now I have another question about um, how technology has changed, especially lately with the introduction of like chat GPT. How has that or will that affect GeoGebra? Ooh, um, I think every education technology organization thinks about 
um, any new technology that comes our way. So including AI, um, even uh, including virtual reality, augmented reality, um, anything that is considered new now uh, won't be considered new a little bit down the line. Um, but I think it's always good to just explore a lot of the technologies and the options that are available. Um, and so with AI, we have done some exploration um, behind the scenes, though we don't anticipate that we will um, we will really implement something robust anytime soon. I think we have okay. just lower hanging fruit where we could make technology just available to students and teachers faster, um, more attainable goals um, that we're focused on. Um, but we do research into these things. So one of the projects that I work on um, is a research project that's a uh, collaboration with Southern Methodist University and the University of Madison, Wisconsin. Um, and we are studying embodiment and collaboration in uh, dynamic geometry softwares, um, especially in virtual and augmented reality. Um, and so that is something that is very fascinating to me. I actually used to be quite a skeptic of things like virtual reality and augmented reality, but then I started working on this project and seeing, wow, that makes a really big difference when you interact with 3D figures in a 3D space. Mm. Um, and just being able to be in that space where, yes, realistically, the hardware is, we're not going to see the hardware in every classroom in the right. next, I don't know, handful of years. Right. Mm -hmm. And we, we, we need to, we, we have changes we can make right away in the education space, but being able to be involved and kind of seeing what's down the line, like when the hardware gets better, when it becomes more affordable, can we have software that keeps up with it, right? I mean, I think right. we've seen, like, we can have the devices and we can stick uh, a Chromebook in every student's hands, but um, do we have the software? Um, do we know how to use the software? Are our teachers trained? Like, there's a lot that goes on and it's not just the technology, but how we use it, are we prepared to use it? Um, as you can right. understand, and I'm sure you know. Yes. yes. <laughs> I was thinking back when you were talking about technology, I was like, Oh, I remember it was probably at least 20 years ago when the clickers came into school <laughs> and, you know, for the kids to be able to hit like A, B, C or D or whatever. And it was so expensive. And I was like that for that, like what, what is happening? So yeah, when you're talking about like a VR headset or something, I'm thinking, yeah, that might, might happen 30 years down the road, maybe 20, <laughs> you know, but yeah, I, I appreciate the immediacy that GeoGebra understands with education, yes. um, that that's really beneficial to, to everybody, you know? So I definitely appreciate that. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and everything on the website is free, right? Everything that you had listed about uh, assigning things to Google Classroom, you don't need a membership or anything like that. No, correct. So uh, there is everything that you see on the website that is free. Everything that you see on the website will continue to remain free. Um, you don't even need an account to explore, like just to use the graphing calculators or even just to explore some of the resources. Um, you can make an account. Again, it's a free account, 
Um, but you can make an account if you want to uh, save some of your uh, the files that you made um, with your graphing calculator or you want to be able to assign something. We need an account so we can store, okay, you created this link and right. these are the students that you have joining the link. But um, yeah, but you don't have to pay for any of that. That's amazing. Thank you for that. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thank you. 100%. Monique, I just wanted to say thank you, first of all, for your time, because mm -hmm. we know that time is the one thing that we can never give back. I love all the expertise that you gave us. And did, were you at NCTM or NCSM? Like, did you guys have a booth or anything like that at the annual conference? We had a booth at NCTM this year, this past year. Okay. So I, I was there. It was my first annual conference and but we did not connect and the reason i know is because i'm a huge hugger and every time that i meet someone and hug them i usually we get a picture and then i tag them and all of that so if you end up in chicago this upcoming september i will be there and you will definitely be getting giant hug from me for sure Aww. oh laura <laughs> i plan to be there <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, hugs are coming your way. <laughs> Expect a hug and a photo. <laughs> Be ready. Marie. I would love that. <laughs> oh, well, listeners, this is the first time that we got to meet Monique was uh, virtual here. So it has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. And listeners, if you need anything, you reach out to everybody uh, at GeoGebra on Twitter because they respond like that. It was amazing. <laughs> Karina, yet another what? I mean, yeah. that was like a what episode. Yeah, wow. I like I can't what? wait to try this this new uh, like I haven't seen that dashboard thing and and I didn't know about the YouTube site. I so I I mean, yet another rabbit hole, Laura. Here <laughs> we go. And of course that? Of course, I had to ask about, like, how do you make them? Like, I have time for that. <laughs> oh, my God. But I know you, and I know this summer, that's something you're going to be I'm looking at. Explore Maybe it. even will. over spring break. I mean, I don't know. Oh my Just God. saying. Okay, oh one my thing God. I do want to say, though, there was a part that Monique said about mm -hmm. communicating, and I am yes. so going to share that one minute little part with my students yeah. same because they totally. don't they don't see the value of communicating their thoughts with words <laughs> you know they, they or they don't understand the marker out of someone's right. hand and just start writing no, right. no, no 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 that's not what life is like you know you don't get to right. do that right. Right. Yeah. They, I, they just don't understand what it's like in the real world. Right. So here's a real world. Here's a, here's a real person with a real job. I mean, not that we don't have real jobs. We do, but uh, you know, like here's a person out there in the world and this is what they're saying that this is a skill that you need. This is why we do the things we do in our classrooms to get you ready for that. Right. Yeah. I know. I and loved just, that too. Just to start learning that skill. It's the same thing as, you know, when someone says good morning to you, I don't know, maybe kid in the hallway that I'm walking by and I say good morning, maybe you should stop 
and turn around and say, good morning back to me or wave or smile or acknowledge my existence. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just those regular skills that we, we just have to keep teaching. Have you looked at my slides from today yet? So yeah, I thought so. So on the second slide, I had I had a quote. And it's funny that you said you said all that about good morning because I just literally talked to the kids about that this morning. There was one year that I, I felt like I needed to start the day with a quote. And that mm-hmm. would start our conversation about, you know, like what are we what are we gonna focus on today? What are we gonna make sure that we do? You know, it was usually rooted on being kind to each other, listening to each other, how to be, how to be a team, right? Right. So today's quote that I threw in there, I haven't done it in a while, but I wanted it in there today, was kindness is a gift everyone can afford to give. So that just made me think of that because that's that was our conversation this morning about how it doesn't cost you anything. Mm-hmm. You have to go buy something, but it means so much, right? It means so much when somebody says, good morning, or gives you a, a hug in the morning. And I tell my kids right at the beginning of the year, I am not a morning person. So please <laughs> say good morning to me in the morning because that puts me in a much better mood. It makes me it makes me happy. It makes me like feel welcome. So and I will pro- I promise you I will say good morning back, right? Or the opposite. If I say good morning to you, please say good morning back because, you know, it, it it's, it's rough in the morning sometimes. And I just need a little bit, a little bit of love. (laughs) Well, every time that I open my door and put the doorstop in to say good morning to the kids, they know now, because I started it on January 9th, that they get a hug from me as soon as they walk. They're not walking in the door without giving a hug to me. And if they (laughs) walk in late, I mean, if a kid doesn't want a hug, you know, I'll say, do you want, would you rather, you know, do an elbow or no? Everyone's like, no, I'll take a hug. Like they're all happy. But let's say it's like timing because the patrols are coming in late or whatever. Right, right. They know now they better walk in that door and come to me to give me a hug to say good morning or that I can hug them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, important. So, yeah. So important. Okay, listeners. We have a challenge for you this week. If you have never explored GeoGebra, we definitely want you to just try it out. Just play with it and let us know what you find. Maybe there's something in there for the littles that, yeah. you know, I, I, man, if I was a littles person, I totally would want to see if there's something in there. But even like third, fourth, fifth, I need to explore more about what's in there. Yeah. But oh, anyways, 100%. yeah, let us know what you all think about that. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. We invite you to join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag learningthroughmath. We'd love to hear your feedback. Make sure to tag us at Laura and Karina. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. To you too.